1: Hey, once again, welcome to the show. Special shout out to uh, those of you joining us for the very first time, whether it's out of curiosity or more likely somebody you know has said, hey, hey, listen to this. <laughs> take take a listen and tell me what you think about this. Um, please give us a fair shake. That's all. That's all I ask you. You're not expected to agree in any way, shape or form. I'll warn you right up front. Um, a lot of the stuff we talk about on here, you're not going to find in a lot of other places. It's not rooted in red state versus blue state. It's more rooted in what's at stake. So with an eye towards speaking truth, as, as I best understand it, that's where we want to begin today. So I want to talk about unity because right now that is kind of the, that's the, the buzz phrase that is being spread throughout American society. Now is a time for unity. Yes. And it sounds so noble. But I have a I have a very I have a very deep suspicion about what this kind of unity actually refers to. And I don't think it's unity in any real sense of the word, meaning we come together, whatever small differences we have, we set them aside, but we pull in a common direction. I mean, that's, does that not kind of sound like, you know, unity, teamwork, <laughs> that kind of thing? See, on one level, I get that there are some things, if, if you just need to um, throw bodies, you know, mass manpower at a problem, yep. Unity will get the job done. But sometimes uh, unity can be our downfall. And, and I had to do some looking around, but I was able to find it. I'm linking to this in the show notes, which you'll find at the show.com Paul Rosenberg, some time ago, I mean, this was, let me see when he wrote this. Well, I guess it was four years ago, three and a half years ago. He wrote an essay called United We Fall. And the first time I read it, I'll tell you, it flew in the face of everything that I had heard. Because like you... I had heard and in fact spent a lot of my life exhorting people, hey, we got to unify, we got to pull together, we got to all come together and be on the same page for this. And I never really had, had given serious consideration to what happens when people really, truly unify. Now, I'll grant you, sometimes it can be for a good purpose. But sometimes when people are in absolute unity, that's when humanity is at its absolute Worst, when they are absolutely unified in purpose and action, but it's being applied to the wrong thing. Do you understand what I'm saying here? okay. I want Paul Rosenberg to explain it. He says, like you, I've heard united we stand, divided we fall hundreds of times, probably thousands. In fact, we've heard it so many times that by now it triggers emotions in us. All together, we can't be stopped and so on. Except he says that it's mainly a trap. Unity is the downward path. It's the road to decline. Now hear him out. He says, in fact, being united has value in very few areas of life. If you want a mass of bodies to charge and other massive bodies on the other side of a battlefield, then unity matters. But when you want honesty, intelligence, compassion, innovation and evolution, unity is your enemy. So unity works for body power, but he said it works against all the higher and better aspects of our nature and to be blunt that's why the sacrifice collectors of mankind love unity they want obedient bodies not self-determinant minds now hopefully you can see where where i'm going with this the calls for unity after you know the, after some of the most incredibly irrational and fear-motivated behavior that we've seen now okay everything's fine we're in charge now everybody come to us come and unify yeah, it it rings hollow. And then when you when you back that up with the fact that there there are people very av- openly advocating for not everybody can live among us in this society. I'm going to give you a I guess I'll, I'll say this for the next segment, but Tucker Carlson for for a guy who is speaking through one of the, the few remaining MSM channels that will let him speak his mind on Fox News. Um, man, he was nailing some stuff in his in his uh, opening monologue last night. I won't have time to share it with you before the break, but we'll pick it up when we come back in the second segment. And you know, there, there's a certain wit and there's a certain sarcasm that, that he kind of brings to what he's saying. But the truth of what he is getting at is very hard to deny, and that is, you know, there there is new management in Washington D.C. and they have mistaken their credentials for something proclaiming them grand poo-bahs of the universe. The idea is, okay, we're in charge now. Everybody has to do what we say. Now, within a particular area of government where there is legitimate legitimate authority and where the people have consented to that, hey, that might be the case. As far as a blank check to just basically tell everybody, this is what you're going to do, this is what you're going to think, this is what you will not say, and I know it sounds like an exaggeration to, to even suggest, would it really get to that? <laughs> yes, it would. And it, and it is getting there. Back to uh, Paul Rosenberg's essay. He talks about uh, spiritual unity. And says this is the really pernicious thing about unity is that most often it's sold as kind of a spiritual ideal. And I think you heard some of this language in Joe Biden's uh, inaugural address yesterday. We each sacrifice ourselves, and then we somehow become magical, collective superheroes. But Paul Rosenberg says, again, this is false. The high and good, the truly spiritual, forms only in individuals. In fact, he illustrates further on in in this piece. The more united our minds are, the farther they sink to an animal level. The more individual our minds are, the more they rise toward the good and the ultimate. Now, unity in the religious sense is a spiritualized dream of a free fix. By embracing unity, people hope to solve their personal deficits by magic. Unification calls the magic down from heaven and boom, we're all fixed. No work required. It's spiritual after all. But he says, the truth is this. Where individuality has had the upper hand, prosperity, growth, and invention have defined the times. When collective ideals like melting into one have had the upper hand... That's when humanity has sunk toward an animal level of existence. That is a beautiful way to contrast this. And he says, you want proof? Okay. He says, let's start with this. Every mass tragedy since 1900 has not only featured unity, but has been built with unity as its central component. This becomes utterly obvious with just the use of one word, collectivism. Collectivism is unity by definition, and it stood at the heart of Mao's China, Lenin and Stalin's USSR, Pol Pot's Cambodia, and the various Kim's North Korea. He says, as a first approximation, these unity traps killed 100 million people. Then we can add Hitler and Mussolini, who enforced unity, nonconformists who were imprisoned or killed, and we have tens more of millions, ten, more tens of millions dead here. And this fact hasn't been lost on observers. In fact, here are just a couple of quotes. Gustave Le Bon said, An individual immersed for some length of time in a crowd soon finds himself either in consequence of magnetic influence given out by the crowd or from some other cause of which we are ignorant in a special state where which much resembles the state of fascination in which the hypnotized individual finds himself in the hands of the hypnotizer. I've been thinking about that quote since, since I reread it um, earlier this morning. And I'm not making excuses for, for those people who forced their way into the Capitol or who went into the Capitol uninvited back on, on January 6th. I think this is a big part of why many of them actually went through those broken windows or went through those, those doors. They were caught up in what the crowd was doing. And I think the lesson there is don't get caught up in it. I mean, it could be something as crazy as, you know, uh, your sports team wins. So what do we do? We go out and we break stuff and burn cars and flip things over. I don't think anybody walks out of the stadium thinking this is what I'm going to do. I think the crowd loses its mind and then everybody joins in feeling less and less of a, uh, a personal sense of accountability or responsibility. Hey, I'm not the avalanche. I'm just a snowflake, you know, and I'm just being carried along by all this. I suspect that that's part of what happened. Now, the official narrative, the idea that, oh, yeah, President Trump totally told those people, those senior citizens and moms with kids, you know, in their arms to march over there and force their way in and, you know, kill a police officer and threaten members of Congress. Why, he told them to do it. Yeah, right. (laughs) I'm not buying that. That's somebody's somebody's fevered dream. All right. One more quick quote. This one's from Charles Chaplin. Yes, that Charlie Chaplin. Man as an individual is a genius, but men in mass form a headless monster, a great brutish idiot that goes where prodded. That's another one. That's, that's worth sitting and thinking about. I'm going to come back in a few moments. I'm going to share with you some of the clips from uh, Tucker Carlson's monologue yesterday. Definitely worth hearing. If nothing else, just to hear somebody say it with that, uh, that wry tone of voice that only Tucker can manage. We'll also share the rest of this article by Paul Rosenberg. Please stay with us.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is the Brian
1: Hyde Show. Welcome back to the show. Special shout out to our sponsors. They include my good friends at Monticello College, Landmark Risk Management and Insurance, and also AltaBank. By the way, if you have uh, if you have need for commercial insurance, I probably don't have to tell you that it can get complicated quickly. If you find yourself wondering, do I really have everything covered, or maybe you're just getting started and you have a lot of questions, you know what what do I need to know? I want you to go to my sponsor links they're in the show notes for today january twenty first at the brianhideshow dot com Just click on Landmark Risk Management and Insurance. My friend Steve Burgess will take it from there and uh, tell him thank you for sponsoring the program. So I was sharing with you before the break an article by Paul. Rosenberg, which counsels, united we fall. And you're hearing lots of calls for unity. Maybe some of them are sincere. I mean, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. I think a lot of them, though, are calculated to simply get people to shut up and do what you're told. Why do I think this? Because, Because I think there are people out there who believe it is their prerogative to tell other people this is what you have to do. I shared a couple of quotes here for that Paul Rosenberg had listed about how um, the crowd seems to take us from a, a higher level of thought down to a more animalistic or primitive level of thought. And Paul Rosenberg says, our abusers know this, too. In fact, here's a quote from Edward Bernays, who made a living teaching people how to manipulate the masses. This is the guy literally who wrote the book on propaganda. Bernays said, the conscious and intelligent manipulation of the organized habits and opinions of the masses is an important element in democratic society. Those who manipulate this unseen mechanism of society constitute an invisible government, which is the true ruling power of our country. Now, I don't know if that sounds like a conspiracy theory to you, but it sure sounds a lot like what uh, what can be observed in our time. And I think the manipulation is just getting crazier by the minute. By the way, if you want more proof... He has quotes here from Albert Einstein, Albert Schweitzer, John Steinbeck. But here's the point. Every leader of a movement or want be leader of a movement stresses the necessity of numbers. Every one of us needs to show up and make them notice. And he says that I hasten to tell you is a fatal error. It's wonderful for the want be leader because he gets to be the great one, but it destroys the followers. When you have a mass movement following a noble leadership, individual level virtues are squeezed out and actual improvement along with this. And he outlines it. And this makes sense. Listening to the leader displaces your self-judgment. Following the leader displaces self-motivation. Lauding the courage of the leader displaces the courage to act alone. And quoting the words of the leader displaces self-responsibility. Paul Rosenberg says, if we want real and enduring progress in the world, we must each make our own decisions. We must each take full responsibility for our lives, and we must each muster the courage to act alone. Until we do that, we won't move the world forward by any appreciable amount. I don't know why, but I feel like this is extremely important information to share with you. You need to know this. You need to understand this. Or if, if you get it, you need to embrace it and understand. Nobody is going to give you permission no one is going to tell you when you have enough courage to do what you have to do but you got to take responsibility for this yourself and without doing that you will not move the world in a positive direction if you go with the mass you're going to be stampeded in a direction of somebody else's choosing thanks to those incredible effective manipulation techniques that are used by those in power Paul Rosenberg says, if you need a large pile of bodies to knock down other bodies, that's your ticket. Unity. If you want a large number of people to turn off their minds and obey you, unity is also your ticket, especially if you mix in some fear. But if you want thinking, creative, upright, beneficial human beings, ditch unity and call for self-will. As individuals, we rise. United, we fall. I know that's pushing back on some folks. They're like, well, I'm not really comfortable with this. But I I will tell you this. There are some areas where I believe we do come together. I think there are some areas where where things should matter so much that people voluntarily speak with one voice. But I think the times when that usually happens is when people are speaking with one voice to God. And I don't see us in a humble enough state right now in America where where that's going to be on a lot of people's minds. I think that time is coming. And it's probably going to be painful getting there. But I don't Happy think they're ready just yet. All here. right. I want to share with you something here. This is, a, this is a little clip from Tucker Carlson. This is his opening monologue from last night's show. I'm sorry about the buzz. It's, it's in the recording. But listen to what he has to say here.
2: Happy Inauguration Day. It's a big moment for the country. The changing of the guard, a peaceful transfer of power, another reassuring display of the awesome pageantry of constitutional government. There were solemn speeches today, sworn oaths, belted anthems, all echoing against the backdrop of 26,000 smartly attired federal troops who are guarding our capital city from unseen threats. It was quite a display. It was all a lot to take, really. So like many of you, we flipped on the tube to see what it meant. And here's what we learned. Uh, Joe Biden respects government. He respects people who disagree with him. He listens to them. I
1: think that... Joe Biden is going to train us to see the world differently. He plans to usher
0: in
2: a new era of hope, and the action he's promising the minute he takes office. We've gone from indecency to decency. He filled that
1: empathy void. There was not one part of that that wasn't just medicine in the wound.
2: Those lights that are that are just shooting out from the Lincoln Memorial uh, along the reflecting pool. It, it, I look. It's like almost. Uh, extensions of Joe Biden's arms embracing America. It was a moment where the new president came to town. So to recap, Joe Biden respects people's differences, but at the same time, he's going to train us to be very different from the way we are. He will bring hope and decency. He will fill the yawning void where our empathy should be. He is medicine. Joe Biden's arms lean and hard from decades of empathetic labor on our behalf will encircle us like lights from the Lincoln Memorial. And at that point, well, God knows anything is possible. If there's a thin bead of sweat forming on your upper lip as you think about all of this, that's okay. Don't feel shame. Shame isn't necessary now. Joe Biden is here. And not just Joe Biden. Jill Biden, too. Mrs. Biden. Dr. Biden. Together, the two of them, MSNBC informed us, will redeem this nation through their love. Behold.
1: What a story, though. What a great love story between Jill Biden and Joe Biden. It's just a different kind of marriage. This is a love match like the Obamas were. So I think that'll be healing for the country, too.
2: The Biden's marriage is healing for all of us, for the country. The Biden's love is America's love. Jill and Joe are the mother and father of this nation. From their loins, we are born and yet reborn. May their names emerge from our lips in praise forever. And so on. That was cable news today. The funny thing is, and there are many funny things going on right now, every person with a microphone in every TV studio in America today knew the fuller truth when they said things like the ones you just heard. They knew, for example, for certain, that Joe Biden isn't well. Everyone in Washington knows that. But no one said it out loud, not a word. They withheld that news from you as they have for months. So much for speaking truth to power. On the other hand, what did you expect? You've watched The Lying for years now. You know what it is. You figured out how it works. So it dawned on us say that maybe we ought to stop playing all these stupid media clips every night. It's like watching the town drunk throw up on himself over and over again. Obviously, it's repulsive and shocking. It's hard to turn away. But can you really be surprised by it? Throwing up on themselves is what town drunks do. If you keep watching them as they do it, maybe after a while you are part of the problem.
1: And that's and that's a good point. So I don't know. I mean, I I love to see a good gotcha clip or one that you know, I like to see people hoist on their own words and you know um, having to eat them with both hands, especially when when they're they're people who are uh, you know be, behaving arrogantly. But the bigger issue is if you get your news, if you get your worldview from mainstream media. I'm thinking you're probably looking at a very different world than the world that most of us live in. And not not because you're stupid, but simply because there's a lot of information that's being focused in a particular direction. And it's making people fearful. Well, we've got some big decisions ahead of us. We'll take a break. We'll be back. Just the other side of these messages.
0: This is the Brian Hyde show. This is the Brian
1: Hyde show. All right, welcome back to the show. So, I want to play a little clip for you. This is from uh, President Biden's inaugural address. And this was uh, this was something that Tucker Carlson featured on his uh, on his monologue last night. But listen closely to uh, to what President Biden is talking about as as he is setting the way forward. On this January day, my whole soul is in this bringing America together,
0: uniting our people, uniting our nation. And I ask every American to
1: join me in this cause with unity. We can do great things, important things.
2: Bringing America together, Biden said, uniting our people, uniting our nation, to which we said as we watched it, and we meant it when we did, amen, unity. That is precisely what this country needs more than it needs anything. We are all in this together, every single American, and we have no choice but to hang together. Let's finally accept that we are one country and act like we are, and make this a better place for everyone unity. No decent person opposes that. If Joe Biden can bring unity to this country, he will be a legitimately great president. But there's a catch. There always is a catch. We're going to bring America together, Joe Biden told us today, but not everyone is going to be included. Unity doesn't mean every single American, because not everyone who is born within our borders really is an American. Some of us are beyond the pale of citizenship morally. We may have American passports and birth certificates, but effectively, we are hostile foreigners. We are the enemy. We must be defeated. Here's who Joe Biden says those people are.
1: A rise of political extremism, white supremacy, domestic terrorism that we must confront and
2: we will defeat.
1: Wow. Okay, I'm going to stop the clip there, but... uh... If you had any hopes or any dreams or aspirations that, well, OK, so the Democrats won. They are in complete control of the executive branch, uh, both legislative houses. You know, I mean, we'll see how, how Trump's uh, appointments to the judiciary uh, pan out. But the bottom line is. You have uh, you have a group of people who are who have a lust for power and have not been afraid to use it in the past. And this is this is the crusade they're going to embark on. And I'm, I'm really not I'm not trying to scare you or trying to discourage you. But when when Joe Biden talks about those white supremacists, when he talks about those political extremists, um, one of one of the talking heads was uh, on earlier today talking about how well the FBI and CIA and other you know, parts of the national security state, they are focused like a laser on these troublemakers, extremists, white supremacists these these uh ah, what I forget what else they call it. they did mention libertarians by the way, my name libertarians, and you know you want to talk about one of these things is not like the other, come on. it sounds to me like someone is trying to gin up uh, an all uh, all around crackdown and and this is as pessimist, as pessimistic as i 'm going to allow myself to be, but um I really believe that uh, the the make or break moment is going to come when some politician drunk on hubris and just sure that they can remold the words or remold the, the world with a few words on a piece of paper is going to be stupid enough to assume that they can send agents of the government out to confiscate the people's privately owned firearms. I don't say this lightly, but I think when that happens. It's on. What choice do you have at that point? I mean, it's, if there is one lesson that I have taken from history, it's that the governments that were most efficient at killing people, as in committing genocide, in every instance, first disarmed the targeted population by law. So, you know, I hope it doesn't come off as, yeah, you thump your chest, um, bravado here, but bring it on. I mean, come on, Ted Cruz wore a come and take it face mask to the inauguration. Okay, that was that was him sending a signal because, you know, there's talk that uh, President Biden is going to make gun control a big priority. And I'm going to just suggest that, uh, you know what? I'm not beating my chest. I don't want to fight anybody. But anybody who shows up to deprive me. Or anyone else of a natural right without first showing by due process that they have actually done something for which they should forfeit that right. And by the way, having been a Trump supporter, that's, that's not enough. <laughs> Sorry. Those, those people who supported red flag laws are probably about to get a whole new view of how red flag, red flag laws can be abused under the current political conditions. I don't want to see it come to blows, but there's going to come a point where people are going to have to say no, and they're going to have to mean it. I suspect it's probably going to be over, you know, trying to to deny the right to private ownership of of arms, just as it was at this nation's beginning. I don't look forward to it. I don't think it's going to be a good thing. I think it's going to be an ugly time for everybody. But I see it coming. And I tell you this with the understanding that um, you should know ahead of time what uh, what your tolerance for tyranny is. Politicians are always going to milk a crisis. There's a terrific article from Jeff uh, from Jacob Hornberger. Rather, I'm including this in the show notes today again at the Brian Hyde dot com milking the Capitol melee for all it's worth. Yeah, some people got rowdy at the uh, at the United States Capitol a couple of weeks ago. But nothing about that justifies a wholesale crackdown and denial of the civil liberties of an incredible amount of Americans who have no intention of hurting anybody, who simply want to be left alone. But somebody out there cannot leave us alone. So they they use crisis to gin up more support, more control. It's good for you. I'll keep you safe. Now shut up, they explain. Not surprisingly, says Jacob Hornberger, leftists are milking the January 6th Capitol melee for all it's worth. There's a simple reason for that. He says they wish to use it to introduce a new wave of domestic tyranny into America, just as Republicans did after the 9-11 attacks. By the way, Republican Party, you need to own that. I know George W. Bush was going to be the conservative answer to, you know, make an America a great place again. Tyranny came on his watch and many of my good Republican friends, my Republican stalwarts, you supported it because you were afraid of, you know, radical Islamic terrorists. Now, grant you, uh, you know, nine eleven left a pretty powerful impression on most of us. But the same way that our fears and our anger were milked and focused into supporting the Patriot Act and all the attendant baggage that came along with it. Right now, what happened on January 6th is being milked with that same purpose in mind. We've got to expand the power of government. Jacob Hornberger Bornberger says that's why uh, those in, in power continue to describe the melee as an insurrection, revolution, rebellion, sedition, terrorism, invasion, and a grave attempt to destroy our democratic system and overthrow the government. It's clear, according to leftists, that the intent of the invaders was to take control over the reins of the federal government and make Donald Trump king. In fact, uh, Jacob Hornberger says, I wouldn't even be surprised if they determined that Russia was behind the invasion. Thus, he says, don't be surprised to see a new version of the USA Patriot Act. Anyway, the old one or the original one is getting a little bit old in the tooth. And he says, don't be surprised to see a renewed and invigorated war on terrorism albeit here in the United States, with increased secret surveillance, suppression of speech, indefinite incarceration, torture, and even perhaps assassination, a power that the Supreme Court has upheld with respect to both foreigners and Americans. Moreover, don't be surprised when leftists use the capital melee to justify more anti-gun tyranny. Never mind the revolutionaries never even fired a shot. They could have, and therefore that's good enough reason for leftists to enact some more tyrannical gun control. Americans obviously understand this because they were buying guns in droves before Biden took power. Jacob Hornberger says one thing is certain. There will be increasing destruction of liberty in America owing to the leftist reaction to what some Trumpsters did in the Capitol. Now, the idea is to never let a good crisis or emergency go to waste. What better time to enact tyrannical controls than during crises or emergencies? If they're enacted in ordinary times, people might object to having their liberty destroyed. But during crises and emergencies, many people let their fear induce them to trade liberty for security. There's much more to this article. I will encourage you. Look it up for yourself. It's in the show notes at thebrianheidshow.com. By the way, the the parallels between our society right now and 1930s Germany are a lot stronger than a lot of people would want to admit. Read the rest of this article. Uh, Jacob connects the dots. But just remember, whatever you're hearing from politicians, whatever you're hearing from their approved media sources is very likely missing some information. I got to tell you, one of the things that I'm seeing right now that has me concerned... Is the federal government is so quickly under under Joe Biden with executive order after executive order. They're trying to undo everything that was done during Trump's presidency. How long before they take another run at the Bundy's? I mean, I hope they don't. But they kind of seem like they are, you know, 10 feet tall and bulletproof.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is the Brian Hyde Show.
1: All right, welcome back to the show. Why do I talk about heavy stuff like this? I know some people are like, "How can you keep your sanity?" Seriously, having to talk about this, and look, I, I struggle with with unpleasant news just like anybody else. There's stuff that, that's happening I don't like. I, I mean, I'm, I wish, I wish it were otherwise, but uh, you know. We are not powerless. Some people want us to think that we are. And I I hearken back to something. Some people will call this just an escape or a coping mechanism. But I think there's something more here. I think about my good friend Tim. Did radio with him for years in southern Utah. And some couple of years ago, he was having a conversation with somebody. And uh, they, they were very fired up about politics. And Tim made the comment at that time. He said, I find that uh, the more I focus on, um, I I forget his exact words, but basically the the, the more I focus on my relationship with God, the less I care about that other stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm not trying to persuade you that uh, this is the time to drop everything you're doing and, you know, go pursue that relationship. But I think there's, I think there's truth to that. People who focus on politics and that's all they focus on and that's all their information sources are are pointing them towards. um, They're very caught up in it. They think everything is is filtered through that political lens. It can be important. But uh, can I give you my honest impression of what uh, what I saw just from the the few video clips I've seen of uh, Vice President or I'm sorry, President Biden's inauguration? It didn't feel so different from. The first time I sat down and watched the movie version of The Hunger Games. And I, I know there are memes out there circulating, going, wow, these Hunger Games are getting really realistic, uh, especially with what Lady Gaga was wearing. I mean, it looked like a Mockingjay symbol or something, but just the the, the tones, the, the darkness, the um, the subdued pageantry of uh, those who are, are determined above all, you know, to have that power. It had a very Hunger Games feel. Maybe, maybe that's my state of mind that saw that. But I think there may be some more parallels than, than a lot of us are, are really uh, willing to admit. By the way, Jim Quinn on the Burning Platform has some marvelous columns that he has written likening the Hunger Games story to you know how, how it relates, what, some of the parallels that it shares with, with what we have seen happening in our own world. Why would I share this kind of stuff with you, though? Back to that question, because I want you to be aware, first of all, to to be able to see the world as it is, the good as well as the bad, but also to understand that you have options and I have options and many of those options and many of the solutions that we are looking for are not found in politics. I saw a post earlier today, I think it was a tweet from Matt Walsh. He's a podcaster and blogger and radio personality. He says the best thing conservatives can do to reclaim the culture is have a bunch of kids and homeschool them. And there's a follow up tweet. Get married, have kids, buy guns, buy books, buy land, turn off the TV. This is the way. There is a part of me that resonates very strongly with that. Having done, uh, I've, I've checked a lot of things off of that list. Turning off the TV, by the way, one of the best decisions ever. But I have this conundrum, and, and I can't be the only one who feels this. If I'm going to be if I'm going to be a good steward of whatever influence I have, be it big or be it small, if I'm going to be a good steward of that influence, I need to be where I can have influence. Now I'm talking about myself, okay? I'm not trying to I'm not saying this is gonna translate for everybody. I totally understand the people who want to leave and go somewhere secluded. And let uh, the collapse go on somewhere far away, you know, where they don't have to have a front row seat to it. I would much rather be there myself, you know, far, far away. But I believe that there is a lot of good that needs to be done right now that requires us to, uh, for lack of a better phrase, remain behind enemy lines and to, to do whatever it is that, that we are supposed to do. Maybe your job is, you know, to, to just strengthen other people who are, are struggling, trying to, to find that love of, of, of what, what they value most. I don't know. I think I think a new chapter of American history started yesterday. And based on how things are lined up, based on the, the plot arc so far, the story arc so far, um, it's looking pretty grim. But if I understand this story at all the different levels that uh, that it's taking place. There is something to remember, and that is that, uh, you know, ultimately. Nobody gets away with anything, and I'm not saying that to be fatalistic. I mean, in the ultimate, most universal sense, there is justice. And it may take time. But uh, if you are standing on the side of that eternal justice, I'm telling you, you have nothing to fear. But people need to be willing to stand for truth. People need to be willing to stand up and and unplug if necessary and and walk away from those influences that are trying to to persuade you. Hey, you need to be fearing and hating your neighbor. You need to be cheering when this person is denied their rights or, or is hit by cancel culture, thrown out of their job. You know, told your your money's no good here. Garbage thrown at them as they walk down the street. I don't know. By the way, there's an excellent column that I would encourage you to read. I'm not going to have time to share it today, but um, Brittany Hunter, writing for the Foundation for Economic Education, has a very powerful piece on the unhealthy incentives Behind cancel culture, as explained by a psychologist, I believe Jonathan Haidt, author of The Righteous Mind. And, and the gist of, of what you can learn from this is, I know, it's, it's easy for people to lose that sense of, you know, personal responsibility. Somebody they wouldn't go up and confront by themselves. When, when other people are yelling at them, they'll join right in. There's safety in the mob, right? Safety in numbers. But this bodes very, very poorly for where we are headed as a society. And as the article explains, one of the marks of an open and civil society is that individuals are not afraid to share opinions. You can't tell me that people aren't afraid to share their opinions today. And anybody who, who would argue different, I would invite, okay, put on a MAGA hat and go walk through the streets of any major city. Take video. I think people are. They're very afraid of what what are we allowed to say? And, and here's the worst part. We don't know, because it sounds like, uh, you know, the president on down, they're calling for we've got to come together. We've got to redefine what's free speech is. And it sounds very much like things that we have uh, been able to freely talk about are very soon to be on a list of things that must not be discussed. I don't know how far it goes. You know, I mean, I don't know what it would take to be accused of being an extremist. The fact that they lumped libertarians in there is uh, more than just a little bit alarming to me. If for no other reason that, you know, come on, libertarians, we've joked around for years. Come on, join our cult where we brainwash you into thinking for yourself. Or uh, I think my favorite is libertarians. They just want to take over the world and then leave everybody alone. It's the people who seek power That I think are the ones you have to watch out for. And that's true whether it's on the left or whether it's on the right. People who are seeking after power and trying to consolidate power. They need to be watched very, very closely. And I think we are rapidly being backed into a corner where we are going to have to say at some in some way. Enough. It goes no further. And we have to mean it. Well, the people who are going to have the most likelihood of succeeding at this are going to be people who know who they are, who know what they stand for. That means you you need to truly understand what what are the principles? What are the practices of liberty? It's not it's not like, you know, riding a bike. You just well, you jump on and start pedaling pretty soon. You figure it out. If you want to live as a responsible citizen, as a a person whose influence is is a net good to society because you choose for it to be good, you need to know what you're about. You need to understand that the, the, the people who want to be free, who want to live in a free and open society have to be the kind of people whose character matches up with that kind of a society. If nobody cares, if character is, you know, just one of those, you know, yeah, it'd be nice, but we don't expect it of anybody. Don't be surprised when your society lacking character also lacks stability. Okay, here's the, here's, I'll cut to the chase. There's a lot you can't change. What's happening in Washington, D.C., even though you're being told it's the most important thing in the world, it really isn't. The most important thing in the world right now is that you figure out who you are, what you stand for, where your line in the sand is. I promise you this, if you are sincerely focused on becoming a better person, even in small ways, if you are becoming a better person, you are having a more positive influence on the world than all the king's horses and all the king's men gathered there along the Potomac.